We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Today is our fan mailbag episode. So thank you to everybody who sent in a question. We'll get to them all if they were similar questions. We'll still read yours uh, and combine them so we don't answer them twice. So excellent turnout. Uh, this time is probably our best mailbag turnout, TJ. Also, I do want to wish everybody a happy Juneteenth. It was yesterday, June 19th. I celebrated a federal holiday today. So um, happy Juneteenth uh, to everyone out there. Uh, also, today's episode of the Hoosier Hollow podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. Uh, they're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. As the riding tie lifts all boats, so go check them out. Online or on social, go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let all the funk out. TJ, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, doing great. And I, I echo your sentiments and definitely appreciate all the all the questions for the mailbag. It's really cool to have the fan input. We'll do our best uh, to give you some good answers and some stuff to to chew on as we move through the summer. So uh, I think this is going to be a really, really fun episode. It, it should be a great episode. And we had a lot of great questions and things like that. And I think this weekend it, it, there was a little, it's gone now, but there was a little crisp chill in the morning air. And it's like, ah, oh, college football is here. But now it's back to uh, being surface of the sun hot here in Indianapolis. So uh, mm -hmm. let's get down to it. Our first question was from uh, Travis Scheidler uh, uh, off of Twitter. He is curious if the defense returns to their ball hawking ways with Tom Allen calling the plays this year. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, last year's defense, and, and we've got to talk about last year's defense to answer this question. I think last year's defense under Charlton Warren, they didn't do nearly as much as what they did under uh, Allen in 2017 and 18, and then under Womack, uh, especially in 2020, when you saw that really great Indiana defense come in with with the you know with all the takeaways and that stuff. Um, I feel more confident with Tom Allen on defense. I I don't think. Warren was a good fit. I don't think maybe he gave him too much power and what to call. Um, but they they looked as if they just wanted to line up and um, beat you one on one, which at, at Indiana is really tough to do because you don't have the personnel that, let's say, Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State has. You have to use, um, you know, scheme up a defense. Uh, and scheme up an opponent and, and use some of those, um, you know, the twists and the special blitzes and slants and all that stuff uh, that they used under Womack. I think they get back to that. Now, Tom Allen's defense is a little different from Kane Womack's defense. That's because uh, they each put their own little personal twist, uh, you know, signature on it. Tom Allen learned that 425 from Kane Womack's father. Uh, Kane has a lot of uh, experience under that as well. So we'll see. I think you can't get much worse in the non-takeaway department as last year. Now there is a, a little bit of turnover luck in terms of, you know, sometimes the, the ball bounces out of bounds and things like that. But I do think that Indiana's defense will get back uh, to creating more turnovers than they did last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've heard Tom Allen this offseason mention 
um, you know, not specifically laying out what exactly his plans are, but um, we know what his vision of a Indiana defense is. Uh, we've seen it before, and with him taking over the play calling duties again, he's made it very clear he wants things to be done the way that he wants them done. Uh, that's why he's taking over the play calling duties is to do them that specific way. And we know that that includes aggressive play calling, an attempt to create takeaways. Uh, that's that's a big tenant of how he believes you have to play defense and that you, you should play defense in Indiana. So um, I think the question is that they will undoubtedly try very hard to do that. Uh, whether or not it's going to be successful, don't know. I think that it will be more takeaways for sure. As you said, it's an incredibly low bar to clear from last season. Um, you know, but, but to what degree it's going to be successful, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I think we both have a, a pretty healthy co- dose of, well, I'll call it cautious optimism, that this defense looks a lot more like what we expect uh, here in 2022. I think health goes into that too. Um, you know, you, you didn't play with the outside of, I think the first three games, you didn't play with the healthy Tylen Mullen uh, all that often. Uh, Monster Matthews was hurt as well. Um, and then the defense just, he just got worn down. Uh, and when, when your offense isn't doing anything, it's, it's easy just to throw in the towel at, at the, uh, at the site of any, any um, adversity. So I, I do think they yeah. get back to their ball hawking ways. Again, there's a little bit of luck involved in it, but I do think that uh, Tom Allen will get back to scheming up that, our next question, TJ, is from Respectable Adam on Twitter. Um, he expects the defense to return to form, but his question is about the offense. On offense, what do you see in Wolfville's offense that could lead to success this year? At least on paper, it seems like we have more yeah. speed. Um, yeah, this is a tough yeah. question to answer, uh, especially not seeing spring <laughs> practice. But we've seen Walt uh, Walt Bell offense in the past. It's fast. It's up tempo. They get the ball out quick. He um, he really does a good job of fitting the offense to the personnel he has. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know it, it's really tough without seeing it. But I think you're going to see a more up tempo offense. Get the ball out quicker. Um, try to use that speed. You know if DJ Matthews is back to 100%, use him. Use Jalen Lucas, um, you know, the the various running backs they had. I, I just think you'll have a more diverse offense than you did under Nick Sheridan. You're right. 100% difficult to answer this question because Walt Bell doesn't have necessarily a set offense. Uh, it's not like, oh, Walt Bell runs the air raid. Uh, we, we don't know for sure what Walt Bell's vision for this Indiana offense is. However, we do know he does fit the offense to the personnel, and I agree. On paper, there's more speed on this offense with this skill personnel than there was last year. That was a big emphasis for Indiana in the transfer portal and in this high school incoming class with Jalen Lucas being added to it, um, as well as Cameron Perry uh, as well, a possible you know, guy on special teams and at slot this season. Um, so the speed we're talking about would be Sean Shivers, uh, Josh Henderson, who's a, a little bit more of an all-around back, but still quicker than Stephen Carr. Um, you're you're looking at uh, Jalen Lucas, so all the running backs really an increase of speed there. DJ Matthews coming back. Um, I think there's a hope that Cam Camper and Emory Simmons are, are a boost of explosiveness at wide receiver. Um, and, and then I think you can expect a very up-tempo offense. Quick reads from the quarterback uh, with an emphasis on getting the ball out. The big question mark for me is how will Walt Bell um, scheme an offense to maximize what he has at offensive line, or perhaps it's better put, minimize the weakness of the offensive line. If the offensive line does not develop significantly, you have to find a way on offense to minimize that weakness uh, and kind of mask it. And there's that's very difficult to do because any play you run, you need blocking. Uh, that's, that's a bit captain obvious, but there are ways that you can minimize what your offensive line is asked to do. 
Uh, and I think that we will see Walt Bell do everything possible uh, to get players in space, get quick reads from the quarterback. And I think he will want, and this is kind of what Tom Allen wants as well, uh, while you do want to go up tempo, I think it will be selective. And I think that they are looking for uh, some balance. You know, Indiana is not going to be a team that goes out there and throws it 75% of the time. Uh, so I think you're looking for, for up-tempo, balance, and really anything you can do to mask what is a potential weakness at offensive line. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll get a good look at it when, when IU opens up at Illinois. Uh, we've got two similar questions here, TJ. Um, one from Mitsukal. His question was, what happens if we, as an IU, finish at the bottom of the Big Ten again this year? And then mm -hmm. earlier um, from, I, from Derek Fields, would five wins be enough, or does Tom Allen have to go to a bowl, uh, or does Indiana yeah. have to go to a bowl for Tom Allen to be safe? Um, I don't think – Tom Allen's on the hot seat yet. Uh, he's got six, I believe, six years left on his deal. He gets a year added on uh, every time he goes to a bowl game. Uh, you know, Indiana's going to get a huge influx of money here shortly whenever that new TV deal is done for the Big Ten um, broadcasting rights and things like that. I don't think the, a bowl game – it's a must go to a bowl game. I think it's, you can't have another two and 10, Oh, and nine year. Um, mm -hmm. Even then, I don't know if Indiana's athletic department is going to cut ties with him. Um, I know what I would do. And I know if attendance is dropping and you're getting this big influx of money, you could afford that buyout. Uh, and you probably, you might need to move on, but, He's been very successful. He just had one down year. He's coming off of, you know, he had IU in the top 10, and you can say what you want about 2020 and the COVID year, um, but the games were played, score was kept, and they finished 6-2. and two. In 2019, um, sure, you could say, you could, everybody could keep putting on excuses on why Indiana wasn't a good football team in 2019-2020, but their record was 14-7. and seven. Um, and you could, you could say that this is, it's arguably the most successful period in IU football since the Mallory era, um, from 1994 to 2015, IU went to one bowl game, one, uh, from 2015 to last year, IU had been to four. Um, now two of them were under, uh, Kevin Wilson, uh, and things like yep. that, but the, the Indiana fan is not patient and you saw it under kevin wilson as well people wanted him out early and to be honest he's probably a two-point conversion against southern illinois from being run out of town uh in 2015 i think if southern illinois gets that two-point conversion knocks off iu he's done he's done before you get to 2016 and all the stuff gets uncovered uh and things like that he um and now everybody's, oh, my God, he was so great and things like that. So, you know, you kind of look in the past with, ro with rose-colored glasses at coaches. But how are uh, – it's – who are you going to replace Tom Allen with that's going to be better, especially when you run a guy out of town who has taken you to two bowl games, finally beat Michigan, knocked off Penn State, had IU in the top 10 uh, and things like that, and is recruiting at the level he's recruiting. Now, if you go 2-10 and 10 and 0-9 and again, yeah, you got to take a hard look and say, hey, is this, is this working out or has it run its course? But if they go 5-7, and seven, I, I don't know. I, I, it, I think it depends how you, how you go 5-7, and seven, but that's a market yeah. improvement from last year uh, and, and things like that. Um, but – it's going to be who, who you beat, how you beat them, and are you getting clobbered? Um, look, Ohio State's probably going to clobber a lot of people, but are you getting clobbered sure. by Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, 
you know, Rutgers clobbered them last year. Like you can't have those stinkers on there. You can't get clobbered by Purdue at home again. Um, yeah. And things like that. So that's where I stand on it. At five and say it's five and seven. I think he's safe. I think anything better than three and nine and you're, you're good to go on there at least for 2023. Um, but another two and 10 season. And I think a lot of it, if, if the problem is the offensive line again, that is going to be mm-hmm. a wild card in this because he yep. made his choice to keep Darren Hiller. Um, and the talent is there. Uh, Hiller has done a good job recruiting that position. It's now, can you develop that talent and make the adjustment and make the improvements? And Allen has acknowledged that that's an area of need. He's had Walt Bell working with the offensive line. He's had a lot of these other position coaches working with the offensive line with coach Hiller and things like that. So if they go two and 10 and all and nine and the offensive line was just as bad as last year, and he refuses to get rid of Hiller. Yeah. It might be, you might get the treatment that Bill Mallory got was, Hey, we we can't continue with this. It's not, it's not working and you're refusing to do what's needed um, to take the next step. However, if there's improvement on the offensive line and they go five and seven, I I think he, he gets at least another year, if not more. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I would completely agree that five and seven, I don't even think questions get asked. Um, I, I'm not even sure if four and eight really gets any serious conversations going if those eight losses aren't particularly ugly. You know, you're, you're much more competitive and the four wins includes, um, you know, avoiding bad losses to Idaho or Western Kentucky and includes, you know, maybe you, you punch back and knock off Rutgers and you beat Purdue, you know, so, so four and eight with no really ugly performances. Plus and, the, and you get the bucket Purdue, back and you get the bucket back. I don't even think questions get asked. Um, I, I think that he would be very safe and the administration wouldn't even think twice um about his future five and seven same thing anything less than that and i I do think questions get asked but it would take in my opinion it it would take a repeat of how ugly last season was in terms of complete lack of competitiveness in the second half of the season uh, plus you know winless in the big 10 i think it would take that type of performance for there to be really hard look at his future from Scott Dolson and the administration. And and I know that the influx of money could play a part in that, make it more possible, but it also, that influx of money might be something where they say, look, we do think we have the right head coach in place. This influx of money gives us an opportunity to inject some more funds into the support of the football program that that's you know a bit far-fetched perhaps given how the administration has typically treated the program uh but who knows you know it, it's possible uh, i think that how they approach this new tv contract revenue uh is going to be interesting for sure uh, but i i i will stand by anything better than what we saw last season and i i don't really think that tom allen's future gets questioned yeah, I, I I don't think his leash is totally gone. I think he still has a little bit, but he did lose a little bit of leash after going to oh, sure. last year. Um, but I don't, yeah, th- I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't say he was on the hot seat unless you're a, no. it's a total disaster by the end of the year. Um, but exactly. I, you fan, you, it's football. It, it's not college basketball where you could fix it with. With, with the you know one or two transfers or one or two recruits this thing is being built over time and you know they've had some success and sometimes success takes a dip you know and you've seen it at other programs and you've seen it at these blue blood programs where they cut bait maybe a little early and set the program back and and just never recover um and, and maybe that's happened to iu in the past too but you got to be 
smart about what you're doing here and not you got to which is why the yeah the response to the failure is what's so important yes you got to respond to the failure not just react to it and that's the difference between some fans and uh, and hopefully the athletic administration is that fans look it's short for fanatics and you're going to be emotional emotional about it and react to it instead of responding whereas you hope that Scott Dolson and whoever's in the athletic department are responding to it. Now, turning a blind eye is not the right response, but responding, okay, how can we help him with all this TV money become successful or regain that success? Um, or maybe thinking through, hey, is this recoverable? Uh, but it, it's they've got 12 games to figure it out, and it starts with Illinois, yeah. and that's a, a pretty much a, a must-win, I think, a must-win game uh, for the program to get back on its feet a little bit. Ready for the next question? Yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the next one again. Thanks everybody for putting these in. They were really good ones to, to start conversation and, um, we, we do appreciate it. This is, it looks to be a five part question from IU hype man. And we'll take them uh, one or two at a time. Uh, TJ, straight up, is this year's offensive line going to be better than last year's? And all I think all I have to say is it's a low bar to clear. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it will be. It will be better than last season's. Will it be any good? Time will tell. But it will be better than last season's. Um, I, I do. I mean, look, I think that. Caleb Jones was uh, a major negative on the offensive line in terms of uh, I don't think that he was really completely healthy. Uh, I think that that caused, you know, a a bit of a um, lack of of fitness, if you will, which is, look, he's a a massive individual. It's, it's, I I do not understand how hard it must be for, for him to stay in football shape, given that size. Um, that's not something I'm criticizing. It's just an observation of what I saw on the field. Uh, sorry, TJ, I muted you. Um, okay, I'm back. I, th- yeah. I think uh, you... So I, I, I think it's better. I think it's better. But that's strictly because I do think there's been an upgrade in talent. I think that they are a veteran, mature group. And I, I have to think, that again, the offensive scheme is going to highlight the things that they can do well versus and, and minimize the things they can't a little better than what we saw last year. So, yes, I, I think the short answer is yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this young talent, especially if you could get, um, you know, D, uh, DJ Moore up to speed. And, and it's not a knock on their talent. It's that they weren't in for spring. If you could get DJ Moore and Bray Lynch to be part of that 10 man rotation uh, and mm-hmm. get Bray Lynch bolt up a little bit closer to 300 pounds, um, I think the talent on this offensive line is a lot better than last year's. Um, and you need, you need to figure out the guard position. I think Haggard is solid at left tackle. You're, I think uh, you're going to have Matthew Bedford at right tackle uh, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. You're going to have your quarterbacks going through spring, you know, fall practice healthy. They, they went through spring practice uh, healthy as well. So they're, they're used to that. I think that was a big hindrance to last year's offensive line play was that Michael Penix didn't practice all that much. You know, if you go back to fall, uh, spring practice and maybe it's limited a little bit in fall camp, um, but they just didn't have a lot of reps together. Same with Jack Tuttle. And we'll get to a Jack Tuttle question here in a little bit. Um, next question, yeah. over under four and a half wins. I think this is a very fair number. It's probably a pretty good number from Vegas. Uh, they rarely get things like ridiculously wrong. Um, you take an over under four, four and a half. Over. Over. Yep. Is it a guarantee? No. Would I invest like my, you know, my the mortgage in it? No. Um, I think that the more like I go through the schedule and continue to come up with the most likely outcome of somewhere between five and seven. 
uh, again, not a guarantee, but a most likely outcome, which is really what you're looking for when you're uh, when you're wagering. You're looking for most likely scenarios, most likely outcomes, and for me, most likely falls between five and seven. Uh, seven being that they've you know they've really uh, achieved, and five being uh, that that things went roughly as expected. Um, I think below four and a half, while I certainly see how that could play out, um, I, I do consider the five to, to seven to be a more likely scenario. So for me, I go over. Yeah, I would probably take the over two, especially if all these things that we think could happen do happen. Um, four and a half is probably a, a pretty decent bar to clear. Uh, it is a good number because if those things don't happen, you could see under four yep. and a half wins as well. Um, is it time to move on from Coach Hiller? Uh, this is a tough question because I thought it mm. was probably time after last year. But guess what? He's back. It's not time anymore until the end of the year. Uh, and, and you got to see what happens. Um, yep. You know, people are, are, are getting caught up on, oh, he's back. He's back. He's back. Well, there's nothing you could do about it now. It's This is this is the coaching staff they're going to ride with. Um, if there's improvement, great. You know, maybe, maybe he moves on somewhere else and gets another coaching job. Um, maybe he signs an extension, but if they struggle again on, on the offensive line and it's the thing holding this team back, like it did last year, it's time to move on. And, um, It'll be the buyout smaller. I think that that hindered it a little bit. There's another question on that uh, as well. So right now, no, the time is not to move on from Darren Hiller. At the end of the season, we'll readdress this at the end of the season when we see what happens. Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. What freshman or transfer besides Connor Basilak are you most excited to see? And I think I know your answer. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm asked to pick one, it's Sean Shivers. That's who um, I thought you would pick. And, yeah, it's there. There are several that I am interested in seeing and, and excited to watch because I do think Indiana has upgraded talent, um, you know, sort of across the board with these transfers. I, I do think and look, this might be something that we play back at the end of the year and feel really stupid about. Uh, but I, I think Indiana did really well in the transfer portal. I really do. Um, targeting positions of need, which was several. Uh, finding guys that were a good mix of veteran and players with still that little you know, extra year of eligibility, like two or three years of eligibility left to spread it out over classes. I think Indiana did really well. Uh, for me, it's Sean Shivers just because of the unique skill set he brings the fact that he has uh, succeeded in the SEC was a player that Auburn fans really loved. Uh, they, they liked Sean Shivers a lot. He was behind, you know, a really, really good running back in Tank Bigsby um, that, that would keep most guys off the field as every down backs. And I think that Sean Shivers' attitude in, you know, it's, it's a you know, smaller guy by football standards. Um, that, that really had the chip on his shoulder and wants to prove to people, look, uh, I'm not your prototypical size for a running back, but I can do this. I can do it at a high level, and I'm going to show you that I can. Um, I, I think it's, it's something that really fits at Indiana uh, for football, and I'm really excited to see him um, you know, break some big runs off because it's, it, it's a skill set that Indiana has not had at running back for a while. Yeah, I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball and go with Emory Simmons. I also like Sean Shivers, but um, I'm going to go Emory Simmons. He's a really smooth route runner. I, I think mm -hmm. he's poised for a breakout year. Um, and this goes into the next question is who becomes wide, or, you know, wide receiver number one. Um, it's yep. him or DJ, Will, uh, DJ Matthews. Uh, and both of them will battle it out. I think depends how you define wide receiver number one is it the guy who gets targeted the most or is it the guy who gets the biggest plays I think DJ Matthews will be the go-to target wide receiver yeah. um, on that but I do think that 
uh, Emory Sim or yeah, Emory Simmons and, and even Cam Camper could could all be in that wide receiver one uh, group um, or in, in that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, but I, I'm excited to see Emory Simmons. He's kind of flown under the radar uh, and things like that. Cam Camper had a big spring practice, um, and I'm excited to see him as well. Uh, but uh, Emory Simmons is my guy. Uh, if I had to take a defensive guy, I, I really would like to see J.H. Tevis. Uh, he's a guy that yep. Tom Allen uh, and the coaching staff really spoke highly about in spring practice. I think he's kind of Weston Kramer 2.0, probably a little bit better than Weston Kramer. But if he has the motor that Weston Kramer has, um, he'll That'd be, be great. real. Yeah, that'll be he will be a Im- very impactful uh, player on on defense. Um, and then we've answered the what style of offense does Walt Bell run? He runs a style of offense that fits his personnel. So it, it's going to be an up tempo offense um, that's going to be diverse. Our next question comes from Miss Midwestern Views. Uh, it's been covered a lot, but does uh, but does uh, do we think that Hiller was not let go because of the Sheridan salary cut? Allen has to take uh, had to take, and he didn't want to take another one. Plus, is that Bush League of an athletic department to have made him do that? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. This yeah. Is a Let's answer the first. The first. Yeah. Let's answer the first part of it first. Was he not let go because of the buyout and the assumption, which is probably a fair one, that that would be coming out of Tom Allen's pocket? My answer to that is no. He was not let go because Tom Allen did not want to let Darren Hiller go. Um, I, think, I think Tom Allen believes in Darren Hiller. Um, and that, you know, that, that could be on a personal level. It could be on a professional level. It's probably both. He probably believes in Darren Hiller, the person who I do not know. And if, if Tom Allen, you know, judges Darren Hiller to be a man of great character, then I have zero reason to doubt that. Um, if he judges Darren Hiller to be a guy that he wants around his staff, I have no reason to doubt that. From a professional standpoint, I would say that the results on the field, from what we can see, have been subpar. Um, his his teachings, his development, we don't see it. All we get is the results, and the results haven't been good enough. Um, however, I think it is clear that Tom Allen believes in Darren Hiller personally and professionally, And that is the reason, the main reason, while the buyout could have played a small role, I think that's the main reason that Darren Hiller was kept on. It's because Tom Allen believes he's the man that can fix the problem on the offensive line. Um, He, you know, Allen has acknowledged several times the play on the offensive line wasn't good enough this past season. We believe we've got the guys that can get it fixed. So I'll take him at his word. Yeah, uh, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I do think that money played a factor in it. Um, coming sure. off of the yeah, it, it could have played a factor. Yeah, it could have played a factor. I'm just saying is it's that not the sole the factor. Reason, I think it's a combination. I do not believe it is. Yeah, yeah. I think fair. it's a yeah. it's a combination of, um, you know, Allen had to take a pay cut. I don't. Nobody wants to take a pay cut. Nobody wants to take two pay cuts. Um, so clearly money was an issue in getting rid of Nick Sheridan. Darren Hiller had a bigger buyout um, and, and getting those funds. Now that shouldn't be an issue this year, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's a combination of his belief and relationship with Hiller, as well as the um, lack of funds coming out of coming out of COVID that, that hurt. Um, and the final question uh, of Miss Midwestern views: Is it Bush League of an athletic department to make him do that? If it wasn't, um, if it wasn't COVID, yeah, I, I would know. say yes. But coming out of COVID with a lot, where basically everybody took furloughs, yeah. um, and, and you saw 
you know, Jim Harbaugh gave bonuses back to Michigan. He took a pay cut as well Mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. I wouldn't call it Bush League coming out of COVID. If it wasn't COVID, if it was like 2018, um, yeah, it'd kind of be Bush League. But pay cuts happen all the time, uh, and especially coming out of COVID. So I wouldn't call it Bush League. um, Yeah. But I do think it was a combination of both of them. Also from Western views. Yeah, go ahead, TJ. Another individual might, you know, argue that it was fiscally responsible. Um, you know, that that's a fiscally responsible way for Indiana to approach things at this point in time. Um, you know, I, I don't have the answers to that. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to argue with an individual whose viewpoint would be that, um, you know, it was the wrong way to go about it. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's a, it's a calculated gamble, you know, because in the long run, if that's an issue that costs you a successful football program, or at least plays a large role in costing a successful football program, that's going to be a much more costly long-term decision than the short-term decision of paying the buyout. Um, but again, it's a gamble because that's not a guarantee to happen. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think there's two ways to go at it. And I, yeah, I, I don't think Bush league, however, I can see how that uh, combined with the way that IU has historically treated the football program, um, as a bit of a second class citizen, I, I can see how that would be a, a viewpoint for sure. Yeah, I definitely get the, the sentiment there, but I don't think it's given COVID and what every other program is doing. I don't think it's Bush League. Another question from Midwestern Views, TJ, is do we feel that Tuttle has gotten unfairly criticized given his time and how he was used at IU? He sees a former Elite 11 quarterback who is a selfless team leader but was rarely given any meaningful snaps and had a bad OC and O-line both. Yes, the MSU game was bad, but he went up to Wisconsin and won, and the opening drive were very good. Mm-hmm. I think he's been on. I think he's been unfairly criticized, but I don't. Th- it's not because he hasn't been given a shot. It's because he hasn't been healthy enough to get that shot. Um, when he right. has been healthy, he's been pretty good. Um, yeah, that that one throw against Michigan State um, was bad, but who knows how many reps he got? He got all the spring practice reps, but then. It, he had to have soldier, shoulder surgery um, after that bowl game as well, uh, you know, and he, he can't judge his performance in the bowl game. He was thrown with a separated shoulder. I mean, it was yeah. impossible. I mean, you could grade his – he was a selfless, selfless team leader, yeah. I think he – a lot of – everybody in that locker room respects the heck out of him. Um, I do think he's super talented. Um, he just needs to stay healthy. He had a great drive against Ohio State to open, but on that touchdown throw, he got rocked and his foot got messed up. And then he tried to come back against Rutgers. He got hurt again. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that they haven't given him a chance. I don't think he's been healthy enough to get a chance. Yeah. I would agree with that. I don't think that Jack Tuttle's been unfairly treated uh, by Indiana at all. I, I think that Michael Penix was the higher ceiling, better quarterback with what we knew of Michael Penix at the time. I mean, when Michael Penix was healthy and it was a Michael Penix that we saw, um, you know, during Indiana's really good season, uh, I I don't think you could make an argument that Jack Tuttle should have been playing. Um, so I don't think that Tuttle's been unfairly treated. I think the criticism is a, a reasonable thing to do, given some of the mistakes that he's made. But you're right. A lot of that is caused by a lack of reps, a lack of health. Um, again, the durability for a quarterback question comes into play. And, you know, we just have to hope that, He's healthy enough, which he is right now, uh, and he we was this past spring. So you got to hope 
that he's healthy enough to give the starting quarterback competition a real run um, and, you know, give it a chance for him to beat out Connor Bazelak on merit. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for is that it's two guys that are, that are healthy and the best person wins out. Um, and if, if Jack Tuttle's healthy and Bazelak's just better, then so be it. Uh, but I, I do think that if Jack Tuttle can stay healthy throughout the offseason, he's got a real shot to win the job. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's kind of shocking that Jack Tuttle came back for a year after all the injuries and, and stuff he's been through. But it, the kid's a gamer. Um, and I think he, and he clearly believes he's got more to give. Like he believes he yeah. has not been able to show himself at his best. And yep. he wants that shot. Yeah, he, he sure does. Uh, so I think a little of the criticism is, is not on him. Um, but I, I think that um, I, I, I do think that he his playing time hasn't been because he's been treated unfairly. So uh, next we'll go to who's your daddy, T, uh, TJ. I did I did mute you. Um, Next, we'll go to who's your daddy. His, um, his question is for the offensive defensive line play is always the most pressing issue. Can we talk about the O-line and D-line in terms of returning production and incoming players who may, might have a, a, an impact? Let's start with defense because we talked a lot about the offensive line uh, earlier. Yep. On the defensive line, you have two transfers coming in from Ole, Ole Miss in, in uh, I think it's Patrick Lucas and – Oh, uh, somebody else. What's his name? Um, there are two defensive tackles coming in uh, that that'll play a big dip, a big part in in that defense. You have J.H. Tevis coming in as well. Um, so I, I think the defensive line needs some depth to to prove themselves. So with um, yeah, uh, Ladarius Cox is the other one. If those two yes. can can come in and fill in a role and be part of the rotation, you also get uh, Co uh, in there at defensive tackle as well. Uh, you probably need somebody else in that rotation. Do so you put JH Tevis at defensive tackle uh, in, in that rotation? Do you put you also have Demarcus Elliott too. I can't believe I forgot him. Uh, so you have four in Elliott Cox uh, and Patrick Lucas and Co. That could be your rotation. Who do you have behind them? Because it, it would be nice if they could get six in that rotation. Uh, along the outs, does Cooper Jones step up into that? Does Nick James, as a freshman, come in and, and give them some meaningful minutes? Um, and, and things like that. So, so we'll see. Uh, and then you have, um, on the outside, you have James head coming back. Bo Robbins, I thought played very well at times last year. Uh, you know, it, it, he, he played all right. And then you have that linebacker bull position with Jared Casey and, um, some of the other guys coming off the edge on that defensive end bull position. What's your take on, on this defensive line? You touched on him in terms of incoming freshman. I do think Nick James um, is going to play a role. Uh, I, I, I think that he's played at a high level of competition in terms of high school football. I think he physically um, looks to ready to contribute. I don't think it's going to start, but I do think that he is going to play a role. Um, so that would be kind of my, my guess there. Um, I think you're deep enough. However, you can't really afford very many injuries to your veteran guys. Um, this is the biggest that Indiana has been along the defensive line, uh, probably for, I would say, under Tom Allen. And it's probably been a lot longer than that uh it's a very big defensive line on the interior so i think it's promising and getting demarcus elliott back uh was a, a huge boon because he's a very solid force in the middle there him and co are a good solid force and then a pair of old miss transfers to 
to bolster that. And I think you've got some young guys who you don't have to, you know, force into action. Uh, but I, I do think that Nick James is going to be good enough to play. Definitely. So it's, it's a matter of depth. Can guys get, uh, you know, a little bit, can these freshmen come in and get bulked up a little bit to be able to handle these big 10 offensive linemen? And can the top six or, you know, the top four on the defensive tackle position stay healthy uh, to, to bring that bulk um, along the, the defensive line? On the offensive line, um, if you've read any of our countdown to kickoff, we're, we're right in our offensive line segment uh, of the kickoff. And you have a lot of young guys who are getting ready to play. Um, major minutes. Uh, Vinny Fiacable, who's a redshirt freshman, he's going to uh, compete for time. Uh, along that, you're going to have Zach Carpenter is going to start again. He's a redshirt junior. Um, Khalil Benson's healthy as a redshirt sophomore. Matthew Bedford's the senior on that, so he'll he'll start. Um, you could see Tim Weaver play a little bit more. Luke Haggard as, as a sixth-year uh, graduate senior as well. Um, so there's Josh Sales as a redshirt freshman. It's another guy who, who could be in that rotation. Uh, Parker Hanna is a uh, Division II transfer coming in who could play minutes. I think you're going to see a lot of different um, new – just new players along that defensive line that really didn't get a chance to play last year um, because of their age and size and, and youth and all that stuff. And maybe they were waiting for DJ Moore to get here and, and Bray Lynch. Bray Lynch is probably, I know you love DJ Moore. Bray Lynch might be my favorite young offensive lineman. Now he's only 280 uh, and he was not yeah. in for spring practice. Um, but y you have, you have some options and you have Carter Smith. Uh, also, he was in for spring. So can he get up close to two, you know, 300 he's listed at 280 right now. Can he get up to weight uh, to play in the big 10? So I, I think you're the rotations better. I don't think it's locked into place just yet, but you have a lot of guys on the offensive line who I think are more talented than the guys that they had last year. Absolutely. There's no question uh, the incoming freshman class, I think, just in terms of their potential and incoming ratings, uh, it, it's probably the best incoming class of offensive linemen on paper that I use had in years. Um, DJ Moore is a, you know, a highly coveted guard. Um, Carter Smith, you know, very athletic, high potential uh, tackle prospect, and then Bray Lynch was, you know, a captain and uh, just a, a winner. All he won guy three, three state a, titles in Texas at Westlake and Austin, yeah. which is a tremendous school. He's an All-American. Uh, he's a two, yep. I think he did track and field as well. He's just, he's yep. that guy that you wish was in for spring ball. Um, but maybe he takes those first couple games. Uh, you know, maybe he's an end of the year four game guy. Uh, and things like that. But man, I, I'm excited for him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, a player that I, I think a lot of Indiana fans were nervous uh, that um, Indiana might not hold on to him uh, and his commitment, but you know, he stayed locked in and um, it's, I think that the two tackle positions, I think Indiana knows right now who's going to start there uh, Haggard and Bedford at left and right. I think Zach Carpenter's the heavy favorite at center. I think the guard positions are absolutely wide open uh, to be one in fall camp. So um, you're right. I think there's more depth there than there has been. How it shakes out is going to be interesting. And I, I certainly think that there's a chance just on personnel, there might be some growing pains, but I, I think the overall talent level uh, has certainly increased along the we'll call it the two deep uh, that the overall talent level is quite a bit higher uh, than it has been depth wise. It's a question of whether or not they can get those players uh, ready to, to play at a big 10 level now, which is what IU needs. 
Yep. I, and uh, another question from, from Daddy Hoosier. Uh, TJ, we don't know the answer to this one. How is it that we're playing at Nebraska twice in a row? So IU went to Nebraska in 2019. I think Nebraska came to IU in 2016. And now back in 2022, they're going back to Lincoln to play Nebraska at a, at a night game on October 1st. I, I don't know. It's the Big Ten. That's my answer. Um, you know, it's the Big Ten. That's They're in charge of schedules. Uh, I don't think – it was, I think this was a year that they were always going to Nebraska. I don't think it got jumbled up with the, all the COVID reschedules and things like that. So it is what it is. You play the people on your schedule where you need to play them and hopefully you can go in there and, and beat them again. Yep. There, there are far worse options. So that one's, uh, you know, not one that I've, it's a fair question. It's just one that I'm not particularly worried about because we could be playing at Iowa again, which is something I definitely don't want to do. Nope. Uh, and then finally, our final questions of the day, TJ, are from IU Hype Man again. Uh, where would you pregame for a 7 p.m. kickoff? Where do we go to mm-hmm. celebrate after the win? What's the best hotels to stay at? Should I get a parking pass for the game? Price of a good ticket. Three players we're most excited to watch. And um, the final question we'll let uh, – how bad are we going to thump uh, these people from from Illinois? Uh, edited and redacted. Good editing. Um, Good editing. Yeah. So uh, first, uh, where would you pregame for a 7 p.m. kickoff? Depends what you want to do. IU's got a bad setup in terms of there's not very many bars located close to the stadium. But if you're looking for a good meal before the game with drinks, I would head to Nick's. Uh, if you're looking just to get drinks at a bar um man if uh yogis didn't close by close to the stadium i I would say there um again nicks is a very good place you could go to uh kilroy's across the street from nicks there's upstairs uh brothers is there as well uh frankly if i'm just getting drinks i'd rather go tailgate uh, and, and things like that. You're up by the stadium. You don't have to drive or walk anywhere that far. Uh, if you find a good tailgate party, it's much better, th- in my opinion, than going to a bar. But if you're looking to sit down for food and a quick drink before the game, I would check out Nick's and then make your way up to the stadium. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you you know better than me. I, I've, I'm living the living the kid life. So I don't, uh, don't get to do those things very often anymore, but, um, mother bears for pizza is always something that my unsophisticated palate will enjoy. Uh, celebrate after the win. It really depends on, um, what time the game is the afternoon game. I, I would always head down to, uh, Kirkwood. There's Eric Gordon's Greek pizzerias across the street from the stadium as well. Um, but I would head down to Kirkwood to celebrate. Now, if it's a, depending how old you are and it's a night game, uh, Kirkwood's the place to be. (laughs) But if the game ends at midnight, I'm celebrating in the car and and on the way home and and heading to bed um, up in Indy. Uh, The best hotels to stay at, the last time I went down and stayed overnight in Bloomington, I did an Airbnb, uh, and it was fantastic. It was on... There you I go. think I think Lake Lemon, uh, one of the lakes down there uh, in in Brown County. It was a maybe 15, 20 minute drive to, to the stadium. Um, it was great. They had a fire fire pit. Um, you know, you don't have I think it's a little cheaper than hotels um, mm-hmm. and you get you get more bang for your buck, especially if you're going down with a group of people. Um, I know the graduates, a good hotel. Uh, that people stay at uh, the union, but that usually is booked up. Uh, and a lot of the hotels have a two night minimum, but if you're going to make a weekend out of it with a group of friends, I, Airbnb, VR, Verbo, um, whatever app you use that to me, that's the way to go. Uh, you get a place on the lake, get it in the woods, you get it in Bloomington um, and, and things like that. There's plenty of places so that's that's the way I would go. Parking pass for the game, I would get a parking pass. Um, all the lots around the stadium are passes only. 
I know people love to park in the grass lots. Those go quickly. I like to park in lot 10 and 11 on the north side of the stadium. Uh, the atmosphere is, is pretty good. It's, there's some grass areas. There's some paved areas, which are good for inclement weather. Uh, and it's easy access in and out. Uh, you're right there on 4546. Um, and if you don't get a parking pass, you're probably going to end up parking across the street at the church, um, which it, it isn't bad, but you're further away from the stadium uh, and parking passes aren't all that super expensive. Uh, if you're going with a group, I would get a, a two or three passes and, and find your spot. Uh, grass, grass is always popular. Uh, and then I, I believe the lots 10 and 11 on the backside are, are, are good places too, but check, check the, the IU website for, for parking passes. They should be open to the public. Um, now price of a good ticket. It depends on the game and what you consider yeah. a, a good ticket um, for the opener. I, if I had to budget, I'd probably pay around, if I'm going on stub up, probably pay around 50 or $60 a ticket. Um, if I was going to the Idaho game, I'd probably pay about 20 to $30 a ticket. Uh, I would always check with the athletic department first and compare it with StubHub, um, especially for the bigger games like Michigan for homecoming, um, the bucket game and things like that, because people jack up those prices on StubHub like they do with the parking passes. But I... I if you're paying over a hundred dollars a ticket, that's uh, a little much on my part. Uh, you know, if I was going, I do like to sit up a little bit higher and get a better view of the, the whole field. Um, but if you want to sit down low, uh, closer to the field uh, for a big game that you're probably looking at, at a hundred dollars a ticket uh, on secondary markets. And then three, who are the three players are most excited to watch TJ? Uh, was that incoming freshman? Was that what it was? I think it's any player. Any player. Okay. Any player. Well, uh, we've already established Sean Shivers has won. Um, the easy answer on defense would be Taiwan Mullen, but um, you know he, he tends to not be involved all that often due to his skill at defensive back. So uh, Cam Jones, for me, is number two, a uh, player that I love watching at linebacker. Um, and then... I'm going to go with, um, I know the, the correct football answer would be some type of lineman, but I'm not sophisticated enough for that. So um, I, I will go with DJ Matthews as my, my third choice. He was a lot of fun before getting hurt last year. I think that was a major blow to IU's offense, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, here in a, a comeback year for him. Those are three excellent choices. Um, I'd pick similar, uh, but first I'm going to go AJ Barner on offense. Uh, I know that tight end yeah. hasn't be, been yeah. been used all that much, but I think Walt Bell will use that tight end a little bit more. Tom Allen has been open about how good Barner is. He said he could be the best tight end ever in at IU, which is high praise mm -hmm. considering that Peyton Hendershot was probably the best tight end ever at IU coming in uh, before him. So I'm excited to see A.J. Barner play. If you saw the workout video that IU posted from this last weekend, he looks ready to rock and roll and destroy people. Um, he's just put on a lot of uh, muscle and, and those things. Yeah, uh, he filled number, out. Yep. Number two, um, I, I won't take Cam Jones uh, again. I'm excited to see that's tough uh, I'm excited to see uh, Monster Matthews he, he should be back healthy he's got a lot of proof this year um, you know coming back uh, for his senior graduate year um, he was a big part of that defense in 2020 uh, creating turnovers and, and getting interceptions and, and, and things like that uh, so he'll be the guy I'm watching on, on defense and then I, on offense, I'm going Jalen Lucas. Um, he's a freshman. They're going to get the ball into his hands 
somehow. How much he plays, uh, we'll see. But he's a guy that was kind of under under the radar recruiting. He was a late add to the class. Yep. Um, he's super fast. I think he had a really good spring spring practice as well. He could play uh, be used in in the backfield. He could be used in the slot. He could return kicks. Uh, he's a guy that I'm excited to to um, to watch. He, he had uh, eight over 1,800 all-purpose yards his senior season. So, well, I mean, coaches in New Orleans, the high school coaches in the New Orleans area were uh, they loved him. I'm almost almost beside themselves that he was getting out of the SEC. Um, they they were, you know, making anonymous. Uh, quotes and comments to uh, area recruiting experts and reporters that were just almost begging uh, SEC schools to come recruit the kid. And they, they did, but it was late. And Lucas had a previous relationship with the Indiana coaches that they kept up with uh, after his commitment to Tulane, they stayed on him and eventually, uh, you know, won his, won his commitment. And uh, I know that the coaching staff was thrilled about it because they do view him as the type of, you know, uh, game breaker that they, they were desperately searching for. Uh, So that, that's a a very good choice. Yeah. I think he, he'll, they'll find ways to get him the ball kind of like David. They tried to do with David Ellis. David Ellis can stay healthy. Um, but I think if he stays healthy, they're going to get him the ball in a lot of different ways. So I'm excited for Jalen Lucas. Anyway, TJ, that was our final question uh, of, of the afternoon. I do want to thank everybody who sent in a question and submitted. I believe we got to them all. If we didn't, I apologize. I will do it again um, if this becomes a popular uh, segment. And we'll do it yeah. maybe during the open week. Uh, during the season and and then again in the off season and things like that. So thank you guys for sending in your questions. They were great questions. Uh, I I loved getting them on on Twitter, talking to TJ about them as they came in as well. So thank you to to all the people who who sent in in questions on Twitter. Yep, absolutely. I think a bi week segment uh, where you know the questions might be uh, significantly more. Um, angry or pessimistic, depending on how the season's going, or they might be, Hey, what kind of bowl game can we get in if IU gets off to a hot start? But I, I think that that would be a fun, uh, bi-week thing is to, to, you know, take the mailbag again and see the check the pulse of people uh, at that point in the season. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody. And, uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're doing next week. I think we might be starting, uh, yeah, well, that'll be fun because it just means more. So we'll, we'll make sure we devote our full attention to it. Yep. And we will, uh, the, it's the podcast that just means more. Um, so anyway, that does it for today's podcast. Thank you for everybody sending questions again. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have the podcast posted on there as well as our countdown to kickoff. We started our season opponent previews as well. Illinois has been posted. I'm working on Idaho right now. Um, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. And we'll have all, all the updates. Recruiting is underway. A lot of people are taking official visits. As soon as news breaks, we'll bring it to you as well. So uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the first day of summer this week as well. Stay cool if you can. And uh, football season's right around the corner. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 